Welcome to the Just for Kicks podcast. It appears it was all a dream and that Mike, Steve, well, Steve, the eternal optimist, and Mike and I, the shrewd analysts, have been telling you that Arsenal is the class of the Premier League this season. And despite what happened last weekend, where Arsenal completely dominated City, lowest possession total in the history of any Pep Guardiola side. Is that accurate, Steve? That is correct. He kind of, kind of like gets off to controlling possession of games, right? Like that's his thing. He's got a, a control fetish. He's got a control fetish. Um, but he doesn't have a winning fetish because when he goes to the Champions League final, he just wants to possess the ball. It's, it's kind of, yeah. It's kind of, when he goes to the city ground, he cannot win. He cannot win. Trees, baby. It's, uh, beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like the Dutch and World Cup finals, but everything's been reset. Mike, I gotta give you credit because you said that Nottingham Forest was gonna be making news against City this match, but I think you might have flown too close to the sun with the wind. I trust you sprinkled the draw. Before I ask you about that, Steve, Walk me through those six days of not being at the top of the table when we all thought this fixture was going to be the death knell in City's last stand as a Premier League juggernaut. Yeah, up until Zinchenko's banger, it was starting to, uh, the narrative was starting to pile up about same old Arsenal, and the conversation was starting to look like, you know, more about getting some perspective, but then he scored. Jorginho hit a banger as well, and suddenly Arsenal's back top of the table, and quite frankly, the second half proved once again they're pretty resilient and, yeah, have been the class of the league. And I, I still very strongly feel like their best is better than anyone else's at this point. And they're still improving. They're still improving. Um, Mike, this by contrast, has been a mixed bag for you. Your old flame Chelsea looked like hot trash, but so did your favorite punching bag, Spurs, who looked even more putrid. And like I said, your boys Nottingham Forest. They look fantastic, and they may have changed the entire complexion of the title race and world football in general. But I have to ask you, because you did go so big, because Mike, uh, Mike's not for the faint of heart. And we all know Forrest easily could have won that match. You sprinkled the draw, right? So I didn't sprinkle the draw. I, I took the line uh, plus one and a half. Uh, I felt like Forrest would easily cover that. And on paper, in terms of the final score, I mean, they easily covered it because they covered it. But uh, the game was a little bit nervy at the beginning. I mean, it was just... Mm -hmm. I was super impressed with Felipe. It was his home debut at center back for Forrest. And, and that was part of where people were picking against Forrest is the, the center back conundrum where there's a decent bit of guys out. Um, but And you have a backup keeper too. So, Well, I mean, Kaylor Nava is not such a bad backup keeper, right? No, but chemistry is chemistry is chemistry. Am I right, Steve? Is Kaylor Navas the backup? Yes. Uh, Hender Henderson's got those gloves when he's healthy. I think what is so interesting is this forest side. Uh, my buddy Eden was like, they've got such FIFA vibes. And it's what's funny is like when I 
would pick them for manager mode in FIFA. I would just overhaul the squad, which is what they did. And they're gelling, man. I think what was super cool is, I don't know if you guys saw, I think Aurier took one to the, uh, let's just say groin. And they were just, they, they put their bodies on the line. I think that's the Steve Cooper effect. And I feel like the team is just, they're in it, man. It, it is they are hard to beat right now. And if the season would have started January first, Nottingham Forest is in a Champions League position. Mike, was it cathartic for you to see someone else take it in the groin? <laughs> besides Steve? No. Besides your your injury that you've been nursing, that you finally, finally stumped the placenta. Oh well, mine dollars for, and now you're back well, mine, with us. Mine was groin, groin. Aria took it to the Unos. He, he took it to the Pulisic, which is funny because wasn't Serge Aria the one who was singled out by Mourinho as not a team player or not pulling in the same direction as us at Tottenham? Yes, dude. <laughs> I, Cooper, dude. Cooper's got them all. They're Fighting trees, baby. I I love, I love what is happening at Forest right now. And so it is completely, not completely, but it is covering up a lot of the sorrow that I have for Chelsea. I didn't touch that Southampton match because I didn't have a good feeling. Chelsea does not look good. Forest would probably beat Chelsea right now. Um, I don't disagree with that. Uh, when Enzo and Mudrick are looking at each other like, what did I sign up for? And Neymar is faking injuries. Whoa! So he doesn't even have the prospect of coming to Chelsea. Then you really, really know things are troubled at Stamford Bridge. It's weird, dude. It's But I don't know. Maybe, maybe, come, maybe, maybe playing Spurs is the antidote to that? I mean... That's a draw all day. It's a draw all day. Yeah, that's a 1-1. Bet the exact... Bet the exact. Okay. Shout out James Ward-Prowse for his uh, free kick to put some one behind David Beckham all time. I mean, dude, he... like Shout out James Ward-Prowse for being as good as his FIFA card that was just released. And I was like, is that, is that a little too high of a rating for uh, James Ward-Prowse? And then he nails that free kick, and I'm like, no, it's not. He's automatic, dude. I I, I was a little young to be able to see, like, all of Beckham. And I feel like right now, it, it, any time Southampton get a free kick within 10 yards of the box, it's game over. Like it, it's, it's really impressive. It's staggering. I mean, I think Beckham had a certain artistry in terms of knowing where his balls were going to break so he could freeze keepers in a certain way. Um, and obviously I'm not going to say anybody is more precise with their delivery. Yeah. But Ward Prowse is is phenomenal. Um, saying you're not better than David Beckham is certainly not a slight. Um, yeah, he's he he reminds me almost of uh, when Kieran Trippier. Um, people didn't know how good he was, but doing it uh, better, more consistently, and more efficiently, and taking a lot of people by surprise because those walls are not correcting um, the way they should for what he can do to that ball. I remember when James Ward-Prowse was, he was at like 10 or 11 of his now 17, I think. It wasn't that long ago. And I was like, you know, that's really good. But to get eight more to beat Beckham is like, he's barely halfway there. And I feel like he's been getting one every other week since. It's been crazy. Yeah. It's like when somebody brings up a, the who 
are the teams that have ever come behind from like a 3-0 deficit to win a playoff series after like they're ahead in game two. You're like, I think it's a little premature for this. That's kind of how I felt about the James Ward Brown chatter. And ever since then, it's like, uh, no, uh, somebody recognized how special this was. Yeah, exactly. And they've just been stacking up since. And it's not a quantity of attempts issue he's, or, like, opportunity issue. He's His rate is, like, 15%, which is preposterous. He'll break it at a higher rate, right? Yeah, yeah, no, his rate's better than uh, Beckham. But do you know who has the most direct free kicks scored in the last, like, seven or eight years? Um, and, uh, globally? Yes. I mean, based on how you're asking it, I'm guessing it's not messy. Um, if you're asking, yeah, I, I mean, immediately I would have guessed Messi, um, last seven or eight years. It's messy. Okay. Oh, it is messy. <laughs> Just a gentle reminder that whatever the list is, he's at the top of it. <laughs> Who He also scored a free kick this weekend, by the way. Yes. And Pele wants you to know from the grave that Messi still is terrible with his head. Um, he scored a free kick this weekend, went the same side, went near post of the wall and the keeper basically didn't have a chance. It w- went off the post. It was, uh, it was disgusting. Well, let's hope that he gets the opportunity to do that in the Champions League. They're going to advance. Even though I love FC Bayern, I just messy. We shall see. We shall see. We have so much to address. We have Blockbuster Champions League fixtures pour over. We have an English Football League Cup final for the ages to preview. And we will do all that after this on the Just for Kicks podcast. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. Before we get to the incredible theater at Anfield today between last year's finals, Real Madrid and Liverpool, can we get a golf clap for Napoli? All they do is what is asking them. And my, 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 they do it in a beautiful way. I mean, what else is there to say? I know it's Eintracht Frankfurt. I know Frankfurt's good. Frankfurt's good. Frankfurt is good. They're good. Yeah. But listen, let, let's just acknowledge that Napoli can't do anything more than what is asked of them times two. Steve, obligatory accolade for Napoli, please. Yep. They can only beat the team that's put in front of them. They've been doing it all Champions League and Serie A campaign. Um, Frankfurt, just frankly, no pun intended, wasn't up to snuff for them um had a decent start but ultimately napoli was able to pretty much dominate them over the course of 90 minutes plus frankfurt's biggest threat colo moani got a red card so 2-0 going home for napoli they're as good as through the next round and frankly look like they could beat anybody but i i do want to see them up against a you know more prodigious squad they've definitely been getting a little bit of a better draw yeah, like they only played like Liverpool, so let's see them against <laughs> let's see him against somebody who's actually pretty decent, you know? Okay. Like Nottingham Ford. <laughs> well, that's a perfect segue because we need to talk about Liverpool, who looked quite impressive through four minutes. They looked quite impressive through twenty minutes. And then there were a lot of emotions at Anfield. And then And I don't know where to begin. I mean Darwin Nunez, Mr. XG, with a back heel in the fourth minute from Salah, looking like the route was on. 
It looked like Liverpool was at home saying European magic is here. And y'all think, world? Look at who we playing. The remaining 90 minutes didn't exactly go according to plan. We had two insane blunders by the greatest goalkeepers alive. The least shocking thing was Kareem Benzema turning back the clock for another knockout league brace. Which, let's be real, put this out of reach for the Reds for their return fixture in Madrid. I mean, out of reach. That that was the rubbing their nose in the dirt. Yeah. 5-2. Yeah. Steve, is is this is this Real Madrid's world and we're all just visiting? Is the joke on us? Are we in a simulation and Fiorentino Perez somehow controls it? Not only did they win 5-2, <laughs> Liverpool had a 2-0 head start. Um, yeah, I mean, we've said it all along that Liverpool Anfield European night is one of the most magical things available. But lo and behold, <laughs> the only thing that has more magic is Real Madrid. Um they're just so grown up in those situations and calmly dispatch whoever's in front of them in the Champions League. They understand the intricacies of this competition better than anybody else. And they went up against one of the teams in Europe who is pretty high on that list in Liverpool. But yeah, they proved once again that they're contenders. I want to make this comment because I, I picked I picked Liverpool over Newcastle last weekend, basically because Bruno Guimaraes was still banned. Nick Pope made the game very easy for Liverpool, and I was happy to win that bet. Liverpool against Real Madrid showed us who they have basically been all season. And it is a shadow of the team that won the league trophy, who won the Champions League. They're completely toast. I've been talking about it on this pod all season. Klopp is gone when this season is over. The team is just... they're burnt out and again when is Trent Alexander-Arnold going to play anything other than a defender because he cannot defend Vinny just roasts him like it is laughable and I don't know how he cannot be at least required to give some semblance of care or responsibility to that flank given that it was the deciding factor in them yeah. either lifting the Champions League trophy yep. or going to extra time. And I just don't get it. How insane. And that's and that's and, and, and this isn't a rhetorical like, you know, uh being sarcastic and, you know, pissy, I don't get it. Like I just fundamentally on that level don't get how this can transpire i agree it it it's just gross negligence i agree it's gross negligence from Klopp. it's gross negligence from trent um unless trent is refusing to listen to allison and virgil van dyke and joe gomez it's gross negligence from them how does he continually get abused? And I'm going to use the word abused because that is what Vinicius Jr. has done to him in two Champions League matches running. Yeah. Is there a logical explanation, Steve? Yeah, I mean, most people can't defend Vinny Jr. that well. <laughs> but, dude, it's like 
give them some space and don't look like this is your first day on the job. So if you can't defend him that well, then why do you play in that position and give him that much? I mean, Benzema was getting behind Trent with these lofted through balls that were just strange. And they were like, literally, they were like, this space exists. Okay, we'll hang out here. I mean, that's what they were doing in like the 75th and 80th minute. (laughs) Trent's delivery from the right side is very, very good. But I don't know how many. It's elite. Yeah, I, I don't know how many more examples you need, though, that he needs to be further up the pitch with less defensive responsibility. And I agree with you, Steve. Vinny Jr. is very difficult to mark. Just ask anyone in La Liga. Vinny Jr. is world class. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he won a Blonda or before he retired. Yes, but, but literally, this is the, this is the I, think, I think he's the guy who might have lit a fire underneath um, Kylian Mbappe's ass to start playing better. I think he's that good. But this but, is this, this is the Champions League, man. Like it, it, you you have you have time to prepare for this. And Liverpool, when they got on the back foot, looked so ill prepared for what everyone thought was going to happen in terms of Vinny Junior running all over the place. I, it's just weird. I, I also think game plan wise with Klopp, how do you not give Trent more cover? Like it, it just this game felt poorly managed really like like the players the players are to blame always right but at the same time i just feel like liverpool did not put themselves in a position to win this game right you go up two goals and then just implode completely implode and for me that's on the manager that's something where you go into the halftime tunnel and it's like guys we gotta you know make these different tweaks but they didn't there was a certain arrogance after going up 2-0 at home, and I understand momentum. I understand the need to continue. I, I understand that if you get three, you finish off the tie essentially. But it was, it was arrogant and it was reckless. And they were playing Real Madrid, man. They weren't playing some scrubs. And this brings me to a point that I have always, always transparently cast doubt on Mike's assessment. I've said he's over his skis. I said that I don't think Klopp's leaving. I think regardless of whether Fenway Sports Group maintains control of Liverpool, I think Klopp will be there. I think the seven-year itch thing is a coincidence. And listen, candidly, I still think they might make the Champions League. But this was the first time where I was watching Jurgen Klopp on the sidelines and his level of dejection. I've never seen it. And now... I am convinced that there is a distinct possibility. I don't know. Maybe probability that he's not there next year. USA. Those 90 minutes moved me. I, I'm i with you, Mike. Uh, you, you have finally proselytized the movement. Took you long enough. Steve, are you still in Klopp? Is it Anfield next year territory? Yeah, sure. I'm not getting dragged into this. <laughs> Next topic. What's more likely? Klopp leaves Anfield. Liverpool makes top four. Which is more likely? Because mm-hmm. neither of those things is... I'm asking Steve. Oh. Oh. It's close. I, I, <laughs> it's close. It's I mean, close. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, here's, here's my thing. Is like I don't think that they're going to make top four, but 
if you're Liverpool, who are you bringing in? Is Klopp your problem? Yeah, like who are you bringing in? I of course love Roberto Deserbi, etc. I think Thomas Frank would do well, but like, yeah, you have Jurgen Klopp, like. You need to get him players. You don't need to get players. Those players, new manager, they're not good enough. This is how it. This is how it goes, man. L- look at Pep. Look at Pep at Barcelona. Chelsea had Thomas Tuchel, and you know, look where they are now. Barcelona had Pep. Bayern had Pep. Well, ba- Bayern, Bayern had Pep domestically. Bayern had <laughs> in the Champions League. <laughs> but on that note, I we must we must move on because. We have Manchester United, and we have Newcastle, and they're squaring off for a major trophy. And if Newcastle is to lift a trophy, they will be lifting a major trophy for the first time in 67 years. A ma- they have not won a major trophy in 67 years. We talk about that Spurs trophy drought. I mean, they won a EFL title 14 years ago, like an eternity. Um, we talk about that spell at Arsenal, which was, what was that, less than a decade that they didn't win a trophy? Like, it was an eternity. Newcastle. How is that possible? 67 years. Devin brought out that stat when he joined us. Um, I'm shocked. Uh, Mike, you shocked by that? Not really. I mean... Honestly, Newcastle has been sort of a mid-side, mid-table team for a bit. They were a yo-yo side for a little bit. And I feel like their greatest accomplishment over the last several decades was just having Alan Shearer on their on their squad. So, Are you sure um, it wasn't fighting each other on the pitch? I, that was a, another highlight for sure. Um, but no, I, I, listen, St. James's is always going to be a historic venue. It's... A, an area of England where people are very diehard. It's very much of a workman's city. Best supporters so, in the world. Yeah, so it's a big club, but it's not, they haven't had the most success. It's kind of like, um, what was the last major trophy? Brighton won, or what was the last major trophy? Aston Villa won, or, right? Like, I, I would say Aston <laughs> The European Cup. Oh, all right. Let's, but it was uh, forever ago. Everton. But no, but you know, like big these big clubs, I, I put Newcastle in that tier. I think that they're about to change that sort of narrative. And it stinks that Nick Pope won't be in the final. And I think that, honestly, that's what gives United the edge, along with Marcus Rashford just playing out of his skull right now. Yeah. Bru- Bruno's playing great, too. But, yeah, I, I mean... It's crazy on on the on one hand, just because they're such a big club. But at the, at the same time, um, I don't think many people have expected a ton from them. So this is a fascinating final because of the matchup, because of where these teams were tracking, where they hope to be, and frankly, where they have been. Um, Steve Eric Tenhog was not hired to win the FL Cup and then rest in his laurels, but. After the start of the season, this would be a big statement of intent early on in his tenure. You'd make him one of one when it comes to major trophies. Um, is this a good indicator of rapidly rising expectations? And can they challenge for the title? 
I don't think the EFL Cup is any real expectation at Manchester United, but I do think it's a strong indicator of where they're headed. Um, usually the more desperate teams take this competition a little bit more serious, and that certainly qualifies as Manchester United starting this season. Um, they have a, granted a different time frame, but a trophy drought of their own, having not won one since 2017-18, I think. Um, or that's a dr- that's a drought. <laughs> 2016 seven. Yeah, they obviously have much different rubric than Newcastle United, but these are two of the most improved teams going this season. Um, Manchester United's the only team in Europe left in all four competitions, I believe, as Heath, uh pointed out, depending on the Barcelona result. Um, and since Ronaldo left, Manchester United is top of the table, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think there's a really really sturdy trajectory for Manchester United here um and this would just only solidify kind of a mark off the initial entry point for the ETH era no absolutely um plus they've got the hottest player on the planet right now as far as I'm concerned Sam Rashford has scored 16 goals in his 17 matches since Cutter all right wow also he only started one match in Cutter and you know what happened he scored a brace anyway um, he also uh, almost made up for Harry Kane's penalty miss by um, nearly burying a pretty tricky free kick that would have undoubtedly sent England to the uh, final of the World Cup and glory, and they would have brought it home. Mm-hmm. If only he had made that. Let's all blame Marcus Rashford for all of this. Anyways, I digress. Um, Bruno's back. Does that mean Newcastle is going to win, Mike? No. Unfortunately... The Pope miss is is tough, and you know Steve pointed out, man, you falls into. Why are you smirking, Steve? D- did you hear that? What did you toot? The Pope miss? No, it's uh, Loris Carius's music. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so he hasn't played in two years, and he'll be starting in this match. He's jacked now. By the way, have you seen him? Yeah, because he hasn't had to play keeper. Well, that's all. Yeah, it's all he does. Like all he's been doing since that Champions League game is just lifting. Like crazy. I feel bad for him because he's got this deck stacked against him this weekend. And if they lose this final and it's any fault of his, his entire legacy is just two rotten jokes. I feel pretty bad for him. So hopefully hopefully there's some redemption. I, I he literally could yawn summer before yawn transferred over and people would blame that one goal on him. I'm dude, I, I'm I'm scared for Carius, to be honest with you. And yeah, listen, I, I think that I'm scared it's... for what I mean, you know, we we laugh about what Real Madrid fans did to Gareth Bale's Maserati. Trigger warning for uh, uh, the Carius family. Um, what are Newcastle fans going to do if Carius uh, prevents them from getting uh, their first major trophy in 178 years? I mean, the thing is, I, I actually I don't know why I'm feeling like a 2-1 kind of game um and who knows maybe maybe it comes out and plays well but i think rashford gets on the score sheet i think callum wilson gets on the score sheet i think it's a good game and i don't necessarily think it's going to be a blunder that decides it or at least that's what i hope um but i i just feel like this is a bridge too far for newcastle right that the the goalkeeper is responsible for obviously his primary duties of keeping goals out of the net, but also organizing the back line, kind of setting the flow. He's got the best vision of the entire field. 
And I think with the lack of reps there, it really hurts, really hurts Newcastle in this game. Whereas De Gea has been relatively impressive this season. So I I feel that that's kind of the difference maker along with just Rashford's red hot form. Well, it's going to be a heck of a match. And we have so many exciting things happening this weekend. And that includes the MLS kickoff. And guys, we just had, are we all in a grants? Greatest MLS season of all time. Certainly the final. I'm very excited to get started again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be quite exciting. Saturday. Saturday. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite biased. I, I, I think, uh, I think LAFC at plus 500 still is a little too high. Um, I think the smarter money is probably with Philly or with NYCFC. It's LAFC, dude. Wait. It's LAFC. They're going to win. Is what you I'm think saying. they're going to win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got my picks, bro. I I, I, I got some notes here. You, don't, you think they're going to win? Who knows it? Austin is a dark horse, though. I don't feel great about Austin this year. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a good season, but I, I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off. Are you due for a regression to the mean, or was last year just a flash in the pan? Uh, I think a regression of the mean at the same time. I think the team was kind of playing, uh, punching above their weight, just playing out of their minds last year. Well, Mike, as the famed uh, protagonist of our short story, Mr. Mike goes to the MLS. Why don't we let you uh, be the vehicle through which we uh, view how the MLS is going to unfold? I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I want you to answer with complete accuracy. And anything short of complete accuracy will mean that you are not omniscient and, in fact, should not be relied upon for betting. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this test? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Who will be the player of the season? Uh, Jose Cifuentes from LAFC. I think he was a little overshadowed by the rest of the squad last year. In my opinion, he follows the Ecuadorian train to Brighton at some point, uh, likely after LAFC lifts the supporter shield and also wins uh you know regular season title he is el train yeah el el train el train he I, I think he was quietly one of the best players in the league last season he only had five goals i think he's going to chip in more this year without bail and i think what's really interesting is he was the most involved player attacking wise behind Carlos Vela in terms of being a part of attacks that led to goals. And so I feel that he's very instrumental. He's, he's a bit of like a direct Ricky Puig. Really? Is how I see him. That's how I see him. He, he, he does a lot of the same things. Scrum Trelescent. Yeah. He does a lot of the same things, but he's a little bit more of a battering ram. And yeah, I, I see him, I see him being the, uh, the guy, I think that he gets his his recognition this season. You can catch him and Ricky Puig at the Rose Bowl on Saturday. Pretty cool. That is extraordinarily cool. It's an amazing venue to see anything. It was amazing to watch Alabama beat Texas in the national championship in 2009. <laughs> it's an amazing venue uh, to watch music festivals, and it's definitely going to be an amazing venue for this kickoff. Um, but your answer checks out, and I'm impressed. So. If, by your logic, this Jose Cifuentes character is going to lead LAFC to glory, 
Who will win the golden boot, Mr. Mitzner? So I'm rolling the dice on this one. I think it's going to be Dante Van Zier, who New York Red Bulls recently signed. Wait, but if you are omniscient, how can you be rolling the dice? Oh, it's just a facade. I mean, I gotta, He's such a showman. He's got to build the anticipation. I got to... You know, (laughs) he can't he can't kill Hamlet in the first act. I've never said that before. No. Well, listen, Bradley Wright Phillips reborn in the body of a uh, he is a player who kind of bounced around a little bit in Europe. And honestly, it's similar to a Bradley Wright Phillips story. Finally ended up in the MLS in his young 20s. And then the rest is history. Bradley Wright Phillips, one of the best MLS players of all time. He scored 10 goals for Union St. Giloisi in Brussels. And that was before he was... That Brussels? That's the Brussels. I actually ate Brussels sprouts for dinner. Do you guys know if they're from Brussels, Brussels? Like, is that a thing? I don't have a clue. I would presume. So in a... So in any case, I think that's that's part of what tipped me on this pick. Um, but he he was top five in goal involvements in the Belgian League in 2021. Last year for New York Red Bulls, Lewis Morgan was sort of an isolated figure out on the wing for Red Bulls. I think they're going to form a really nice partnership, and I think that he ends up banging in 23 league goals. Well, that was incredibly precise and so precise it must be accurate. Before we go, Let's talk about something that's near and dear to Steve's heart, and that is the inaugural season of St. Louis Soccer Club. What do they have going for them? Steve, Mike, what are you guys expecting this season? Are you hopeful, or are you just happy that they're going to be there? I'll start with you, Steve. What does it mean that now St. Louis has an MLS side, and it seems to be they're doing it the right way? The stadium looks great. Yeah. St. Louis should have had a MLS team a long time ago. I'm sure there are plenty of reasons preventing that, but St. Louis kind of famously is one of the one of the better soccer strongholds in the United States. Always had really good youth products. Um, usually had a pretty passionate group of residents. Uh, a lot of that tied to Irish and Italian communities in the area. Um, Tim Ream and Josh Sargent are both from the area and yeah it's exciting to see them kind of doing this the right way building the soccer specific stadium and i i think it has a really good chance to take off well oh i should have said this but when the united states famously beat england at the 1950 world cup the majority of that squad or at least a large contingent of it was from st louis dude the white kits by the way have you seen the white st louis kids at the pinstripe mm-hmm. Ooh, look at those bad boys Ooh, i want one of those yeah i want one of those yeah, steve you gotta get one almost as much is I want to hear Mike deliver the best picks in all the galaxy ah. for another edition of Mitt's Picks on the Just for Kicks podcast after this. Welcome back to the Just for Kicks podcast. We are back with your Mitt's Picks. Mike, what do you have for the kids this weekend with all the action to choose from? How can they line their pockets? Your remain white hot. How do you keep it going this week? All right. So we have three bets on the podcast, which you obviously got to listen here to make sure that you're 
you're popping those bad boys in. I give one bonus bet on social leading into the weekend. But the top bet going into this weekend, and we're going to stick with the Prem on these, Everton, Aston Villa, draw plus 220. It's been a mixed bag between these teams the last several years, but there was a streak when I was actually betting this draw pretty consistently, 2008 to 2013. It was actually a go-to bet for me. These guys were clean sheet kings, and then all of a sudden just started having 2-2, draws. So both of these teams, I think, are looking improved in recent times, and it just feels like it's going to be a bit of a stalemate, 1-1, 2-2, something like that. This will actually be a fun game, I think. Um, Number two, Leeds over Southampton. That's at plus 100, so close to even money. This is really a pick that is out of Leeds' absolute desperation for points. They really need points. I think that they've looked a lot better McKenney and um, uh, Tyler Adams in the midfield look really strong and they're starting to form a better partnership in the confines of Leeds. Last uh, six matches, there have been two draws, three Leeds wins, one Southampton win. And I feel like this is a Southampton hangover after their big win at Stamford Bridge. Third bet, I don't, and Steve, I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable taking Arsenal to win minus 145 against Leicester, but I do feel comfortable betting over three and a half goals. That pays out a handsome plus 180. I think that's the best line to take from that game. If you look at their last four, Arsenal won 4-2, 2 2-0, 2-0, 3-1. Things point towards Arsenal winning, but Leicester has been real interesting lately. I just feel like there's goals in this game. Arsenal's defense has been a little bit leaky, and Iheanacho was really unlucky not to score against United, and I don't think he's going to make the same mistake against the Gunners. And that concludes my picks. Oh my god, Arsenal gave up two goals. They're leaky all of a sudden. To Aston Villa, bro! <laughs> Aston Villa! <laughs> oh my god, it happened. I'm just saying, I have Saliba on my fantasy team, and he has been a poo-poo pants. Listen, they Manchester United, they conceded two goals. Everton, they conceded a goal. Brentford, they conceded a goal. City, they conceded three goals. Uh, Villa, they conceded two. So, like... I'm just saying they were rock solid. Hey, you know what Alabama and Arsenal have in common? They start with A. They don't need to be good at math because they only got to count to one. <laughs> I'm just saying I think this is going to be <laughs> one of the games of the weekend. I feel like Leicester Arsenal has has been sort of a fireworks match since Leicester got promoted years back. I do think it's going to be one of the game of the weekends, and because we just got a leaked photograph of what your parlor walls look like for your dystopian futuristic bunker that I know you reside in. I'm going to let you pick two for this week. What's going to be on parlor wall A and what's going to be on parlor wall B, Mike? Yeah, so uh, one for the morning, one for the evening. I've got... <laughs> uh, I've got... What about for tea, Mike? <laughs> So I've got Arsenal Will Leicester. You be watching the Columbus Crew at T. I mean, listen, I I I'm going to be watching footy all day, all day, but and clubbing all 
night. <laughs> Clubbing all night. I'm. I actually. I have a wedding uh, Friday night. So if you who guys you are marrying, listening to this, who are you marrying? Yeah, it's another one of those. Uh, no, I've I've got some friends getting married here in Austin. So, um, you know, it'll be an interesting Saturday. But regardless, I will be up to watch Arsenal Leicester at 10 a.m. Eastern on Peacock. And then Austin FC versus St. Louis. That's at 8.30 p.m. Saturday on Apple TV. And I think that that MLS contract that Apple TV signed is going to be a very shrewd move when we look back on it. Yes. So Ted Lasso, some MLS, Apple TV. Sponsor us. What, what do we call that? What, what are the C-suite execs? Call that they call that synergy, mm. kids. Mm. Kids, if you can use it in a sentence, you have a fifteen percent chance higher of getting hired. Synergy. It's just smart. It's just smart business. Anyways, I'll shut up. Steve, what are you gonna be watching this weekend? Bayern Munich versus Union Berlin. They are tied. At- oh, they just lost, <laughs> didn't they? Tied atop the Bundesliga table, uh, along with Borussia Dortmund. But last week we were talking about Kingsley Coman and singing his praises. And I've since discovered, or not discovered, someone had mentioned to me. (laughs) In matches he scores, there are 52 wins, three draws, and zero losses. Impressive. And he has won 10 consecutive leagues. So, never lost a game he scored in, never lost the league. Um, anyway. Oh, my God. Bayern Munich, Union Berlin, 11.30, Sunday. Is that like the Ebra streak? Didn't he win like uh, like 11 leagues in a row or something? Yeah, I think it's something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, Barcelona, he he didn't really contribute to that. Uh, well, anyways. <laughs> and I will be watching the EFL Cup final. It's at 11.30 Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Newcastle, Manchester United. When you have somebody as centrally involved as Bruno Gimoresh returning, and you have a keeper who is um, a legend as Mercurial, let's just say that, as Loris Carius, I say it's a stay away. So I won't even tempt you with the odds. Guys, anything else before we go? We got. Three minutes before our sponsors at the Dairy Board come in and kick us out of this rented space that we're in. Steve, can you blow my mind in two minutes? No, I think I did all my uh, mind-blowing. Yeah, I I left it all on the field here. Oh, I got... What you got? We didn't get this far with the Chelsea-Tottenham match, but Spurs have not won in their last 12 uh, against Chelsea. They've only beaten Chelsea six times ever in the Premier League. What? Three-point lane, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chelsea has won their last three trips to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's a pretty significant domination. And all those were shutouts. Remember when Marcus Alonso scored a brace against them? That was tight. Remember when Chelsea were good? Uh, at this point, it feels like a distant memory. Yeah, they won the Champions League, like, uh, I don't know, like a couple months ago. I don't know. That was cool. Anyways. Thanks for listening to the Just for Kicks podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at the Just for Kicks podcast. You can follow us on Twitter where our handle is Just for Kicks FC. Make sure also, whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other amazing places where you can enjoy 
the greatest medium in the history of media, art, entertainment, life, joy, the human experience. That's podcasting, of course. (laughs) Interact with us. Follow us. We want you to welcome us into your hearts because we are ready to be a part of your lives. This has been the Just for Kicks podcast. I'm Joey. I'm joined by Steve. I'm joined by Mike. Have a blessed day. 